Oh, everyone's here. Must be time for ECW. It's that time of the week. Welcome to ECW, your weekly look in the world of extreme from episode one all the way to 401 and a whole bunch of specials in between. We're getting more and more, more and more specials in between. You've got myself, Paul, and I'm joined as always by Jay and Griff. Not to be um, misunderstood as J&J Security. That's true. There's been some confusion. Lots of confusion. Lots of confusion recently. It was quite the situation. But thankfully, with a few graphs, maps, photos, and proof, we've got to the bottom of it. Yep. I had to stand been... and make sure that things got stolen without me there. So people realized I was in no way, shape, or form security. So, but I can do security if you want to get in touch. J&G security. Oh. So I'm the insecure side of security. So if you want something secure, oh, that go like to the, Grave. Sounds like one of the greatest songs ever written. <laughs> um, and then if you want something like just watched as it gets stolen. You want then... something watched as it gets stolen. Right, the whole song here. Oh, this is beautiful. Magical. It is magical. Before we get to the past, though, we need to briefly talk about the present. The world of wrestling. Who's seen anything this week? If you've seen nothing, just like say. But if you've seen something, say. I saw the Lana Rusev divorce. That was embarrassing. <laughs> Funny enough, I was I was gonna say the Lana and Rusev stuff. I think it just needs to absolutely die. Not the lucky Rusev's involved in it, otherwise R- Rusev's, it wouldn't really be over. Rusev's amazing. He's he's really coming to his own with it. But it, it's just it just Lashley's rubbish on the mic and so's Lana. They picked the wrong Well Lana people. used to be really good, but she's just really sort of overacting at the moment. But she used to be well good. It's interesting because it's it's universally panned. Everyone talks about it with such hatred for really, really good reasons. But I think it, is, talking. it is by far the most viewed thing on YouTube and social media that they do. So when I was checking um, their YouTube account this morning, um, watching what? some of the raw highlights through that... Um, you know, the, the, the Seth Rollins heel turn reveal, about 175,000 viewers, um, views. Uh, the oh, the Rey funny. Mysterio AJ match, Ooh. about the same, 177. Rusev and Lana divorce, 499. It's doing okay. three times the numbers on social media as everywhere else. And this is the problem. It gets to that. It's the Jerry Springer stuff of it's so shit that people will watch it. Everyone wants to know what's happening with it because it's just so rubbish. But as such, it's getting more and more. You, you can see it moving. It, it has moved further and further up the card because it's the bit people are. It's such car crash that people can't look away. And there's been some great bits in there. I mean, Rusev the other week when he got arrested, he's like strolling through the corridor going, I've never been arrested before. What happens next? What do I do? Well, it's, just, it's just good, great comedic timing. It's just, yeah, I just don't think they know what to do. He's so over with the crowd, <coughs> especially like Rusev Day, one night in Milwaukee. But again, unfortunately, just being let down. Um, 
the only other news in wrestling really is um the AEW World Championship title shot. Oh, not a title it. shot. The Mikey Rick Brick. It's not a title shot. No. So they they've so this is uh Jungle Boy getting a match with Chris Jericho. Um and uh what everyone's very quick to point out is AEW have set themselves out as wins and losses matter. We're going to show you the tally of wins and losses, both singles, tag, etc. Um, and then Jungle Boy is, is facing Chris Jericho. Um, but it's a non-title match. It's not a title shot. It's a non-title match. It's a challenge from Jungle Boy to Chris Jericho and Chris Jericho to Jungle Boy because of, you know, I could slap you around, I could beat you in minutes, blah, 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 blah. Um, oh, and, I thought and, it was a title shot. No, so I, I don't know if that makes it better. Um, it definitely doesn't make it worse. Um, I think it thinks I think he'll get his first win. Now, now I know it's not a title shot. I think he'll pick up his first win. It's very possible. I mean, again, you've got the other argument of should his first win be against the champion? Yeah. Even if it's a little bit of a fucked finish. Um. You know, if he's being beaten by everyone, then surely your champion, especially with all of the inner circle shenanigans going on, shouldn't he just roll straight through him? Mm. Um, so that will be the debate is actually going. I, I think the debate's likely to be that it turns out that um, uh, Jungle Boy manages to slide in, get the victory. And uh, the talking point out of it will be that he's beaten the champion. He's 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 jobbed to everyone in AEW except Chris Jericho. Hmm. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, for me, the worst part of that segment was um, Marco Stunt's punches. Um, you know, I I I I can suspend disbelief enough about size of a wrestler um, in these things. Um, you know, I, I enjoy some intergender matches, match, uh, intergender matches and tag matches. I enjoy uh, like the Rey Mysterio stories and some of the underdog stories. I enjoy what Chad Gable did before he was Shorty G. Um, although him and Ali have got some amazing chemistry still, but yeah. Um, uh, so I'm not, I'm not against the little guy fighting. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I get the whole kind of, you know, it's the size of the heart, blah, blah, blah. But when he throws just such shitty little punches that just look crap, um, it just doesn't, it, it disconnects me. Um, so it's still, uh, my, my issue still with that part of it more than anything. Um, and uh, my, uh, I think AEW does a bit of stunt booking in the sense of if Jungle Boy's dad wasn't Luke Perry... Would he be in the room with Jericho? Because mm. Joey Janela isn't, and Jimmy yeah, Havoc isn't. again, he was. He was. Um, I, I just think the Jurassic Express have picked up more than they expected. But they've been front and center more than some of the others. Yeah, but they're just really over the crowd. Love them, and the fact that he got injured and he sort of came back. It's all just sort of worked. In like reverse sort of booking for them, so I feel yeah. like I, I we'll feel see. like I... they've got their cult following. So I'll give yeah. them that. I will say another great thing that probably people haven't seen. Speaking of um, intergender, is Tessa Blanche is getting the world title shot against 
Sammy Callahan Impact's next pay per view. Yep, and they had their pay uh, pay per view a press conference with Sammy and so the other day, which I was watching like on um, YouTube, and Sammy Callahan's absolutely tremendous. Yes, he basically he sort of goes on about I don't care if you're a woman, I'm the world champion. I'm carrying his whole company on the back. If you get in the ring with me, I'll treat you like everyone else and beat the shit out of you. Then sort of like pie-faced her and just shoved her. It's pretty funny. It's pretty decent. Cause it's, it's, it's kind I mean, of... He's good. I like him. He's fantastic. Tessa Blanchard as well has just been absolutely on fire um, for what feels like the longest time. Um, and again, you know, just absolute badassery from her. You You... You sense that she could win, she might win, she probably will win. Um, and that makes sense. So, you know, it, it, it has been incredibly well done throughout. Um, yeah, the, the, the impact just continues just to kind of slowly build some great stuff. It's, um, it's, 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 it's getting on with it and just putting decent, decent stuff together, which is, uh, uh, you know, really good to see and really quite interesting. Um, do you know the amazing thing about you being in, able to introduce all three of us at the beginning of this episode? Means we can talk about the show now. Means that none of us have, have been released or suspended. Oh, yet, yet, yet. Hey. Oh, the fact that two of us know about it, one of us doesn't. That's gonna cause a little bit of who's getting released or suspended. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Jumping to the past, ECW Massacre on Queens at Boulevard from April 13th, 1996. Can one of you stop moving around, please, with your microphone? Sounds like you're in a bag of crisps. I'm perfectly still. He's done his, he's done his sheepish thing where he runs away because he knows he's guilty. No, I'm sitting here <laughs> in, in the silence that I already was. It sounds like a... Um... A pill bottle or something. That's what I'm saying. It sounds, yeah, like a thing. Anyway, um, yeah, Massacre on Queens at Boulevard, 13th of April, 1996, with an astonishing attendance of... Six? 1,500. 1,100. Oh. But there was 400 people technically doing, like, stuff, so... Technically doing stuff. Are you counting the people outside when they actually literally went onto Queens Boulevard? Because there, there was a load of people standing around there for uh, reasons. Yeah. yeah, I was. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the show kicks off with J.T. Smith and Damien Stone making their way to the ring. J.T. Smith grabs the mic and starts calling Damien Stone Little Guido. He's then introduced as Damien Stone, Little Guido. Obviously, in the future, everyone knows Little Guido, a.k.a. Nunzio as well. But, um, yeah, so it's the, the transition from Damien Stone to Little Guido here. So Yeah, it's um, really weird how they did it. Um, yeah, just basically, in the delusional Italian sort of world of J.T. Smith, he's now like, I know you as Little Guido. Not Damien Stone. He's like, what? And he goes, yeah, you're a little Greedo. And he's like, what? And he's like, yeah. And it just kind of worked. So he's like, yeah, yeah, so he's some little Greedo. <laughs> he's, um, he says he's been, re- he's been um, researching his family, uh, you know, his Italian roots. And it turns out he's got a cousin in ECW. And it turns out it's, it's 
little Guido, yeah. who we all thought was called Damien Stone. Um, yeah. And uh, little Guido looks shocked at this and then realizes he's from Sicily and therefore declares him his paisan and off they go. Yeah, which then, moving on, they'll be facing the Dudley family. So Bubba and all the crew come out, get in the ring, doing as they do. The crowd start chanting, what's your name? Or what's your name? Or say your name, say your name. Uh, Bubba grabs the mic, starts doing the but, but, but. And then out of nowhere, Devon runs out, basically shoves a Bubba um, grabs the mic, says, this is bullshit, this is going to stop right now. Introduce them all, saying, your name is fucking Bubba Ray Dudley, your name is fucking Sign Guy Dudley, and all this, and basically just ritz for them all. Um, then tells Smith, and that there are three rules that they need to know. One, thou shalt not steal. Two, thou shalt not kill. And three, Thou shalt not fuck with the Dudleys, and then proceeds to beat the living shit out of Guido on the outside. Well, and it's just absolute carnage from there, really, and some of like the most vicious chair shots. Yeah, I know. I've... Sorry, go on. No, I think I've seen on ECW so far, some of them were really uncomfortable to watch. But obviously, back then, it would have been like, yeah. This is amazing. Uh, I, I felt the last ones were really especially uncomfortable. But as debuts go, it felt pretty powerful. I felt like the Dudley boys were up and running. It was amazing. Just a shame he lost his voice. Well, oh, He really did lose his voice, right? He lost his voice. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was really shouting. and um... <laughs> He really left it all out there. So they basically go on, they beat the crap out of them, and it ends with chair shots to JT Smith in the ring. Uh, they then attack the ref. Um, they sort of beat the crap out of them, they disappear. JT and Guido get in the ring, and JT's like, I was just about to kick their asses. And Devon comes back out again, starts pummeling again. The rest of the Dudley boys come in, and you get another two or three. Sort of really unnecessary chair shots at this point. <laughs> but yeah. saying that, JT Smith and old um, little Guido did pick up the win. They, they did. did by disqualification yeah. because uh, I suppose we forgot to say if you beat the shit out of the ref. Yeah, that's the thing. So um, they're all up and running. So Dudley boys, in like uh, with four familiar faces, have arrived. But JT Smith getting that W. Uh, so Devon's entrance, I thought, was incredible. The the intensity he brought was was ridiculous. Um, suddenly they became like this this killer team just instantly. Um, uh, JT Smith had some really good offense. So there was like a hands free backflip off the ropes into a splash, uh, continuing to play up the fact that he smashed his head that one time, um, and that's what's made him think he's Italian. Um, but what I loved about it is as absolutely killer as Devon was, as an absolute badass he did, he was, the most impressive thing he did in um, his very short time out there was got Big Dick Dudley over more than I think anyone has because everyone else has been, um, 
he's he's a killer to everyone else. He he threatens and is backs down everyone. And for whatever reason, the one guy he's scared of is Big Dick Dudley, hmm. which I thought was was very cool. It's very cool. It's very well played out, and um, yeah, interesting. Uh, interesting to see what happens with the old Dudley boys slash family in the upcoming weeks. Next up, we have Hack Myers versus Billy Black. Hack Myers wins. Moving on. Where's the skip button? Yeah, moving on. Got no interest in talking about that. So that happens. Uh, I, I I googled Billy Black to see if there was anything interesting to talk about Billy Black. Is that the end moving of that? on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, next up, we have the ECW World Tag Team Championship match. The Eliminators, Perry Sutton and Joe Cronus versus Joe Hartgood and El Puerto. Go again. Recano. Um, El Puerto Recano. <clears throat> this felt a lot more of a showcase for the Eliminators, to be honest with you. Yep. They came in, hit belly to back suplexes, belly to belly suplexes, um, total eliminations, lion salts. Synchronized everything. They, it was just to get a highlight reel of just showing how amazing they are. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, pretty dominant, really. So, I think that worked. My first major nitpick of the show came after this match. So the gangsters came running out, and it turned into a brawl, and it was then broken up by multiple superstars, including Bubba Ray Dudley and Little Guido. Yeah, and I just felt as it's the segment after the segment, so after the segment that they, why are they back in the fucking ring together? I continue to have issues with their pull aparts because their pull aparts they're trying to do is these shoot things, and we'll talk about how overused shoot is uh, as this goes on. Um, it's another great, but it's, it's meant to be like this real live kind of everyone runs out to to break this up. Um, and as such, it's irrespective of heel or face or storyline, they all just run out. Um, and I have an issue and, I, you know, to be fair, it's the same issue I had when we had the shooter Dean Malenko and we'll talk about it as the, this show goes on. I have an issue with, um, you know, this is real and this is as real as it gets and this is as real as it real is. Um, but this bit's really real. So that bit there was real. But this bit's really real, which is why they're friends in this bit, where over that bit, which was just real, they weren't. Yeah, and like I said, I just, I don't, I think Bully Ray was, was too big a star to be part of a pull apart. I, I felt Guido, having just been beaten up by a chair, multiple chair shots, shouldn't really be in a situation to be out there dealing with a pull apart. Yeah. I know you could say Finn Roster and all this, but at least put him in a hoodie or. Something why, so it's not so obvious that it's him. Why is it in their interest to separate these two, these four? Well, yeah, again, that's another gripe. It just I mean, if you want to play the fact that the Eliminators continue to speak down El Puerto Ricano and Joel Hartgood, and they run out because these are their, uh, their colleagues, their peers, their brothers, enough's enough, we need to separate them now. All right. I, I can I can get behind that. I I can understand the whole you know there's a there's a professional code and they crossed it and blah blah blah. I can kind of get to that, but this is two teams who just want to have a fight. Yeah. So it's just I don't know the whole thing. It just felt they're trying to make a massive 
I wouldn't mind if it's a one-off, but the whole carnage thing plays out a lot because of what ECW is, which is which is part of its glory. But if it's in every bit, you kind of sit yeah. there and think, well, more more carnage. There's too much carnage because of the carnage. Yeah, I pretty much got to that to the, towards the end. So I know we're gonna get there, but yeah, yeah. So okay. that happens. Okay. Moving on next, we've got the ECW World Heavyweight Championship match: Raven versus Damian Six Six Six. Um, random. Wow. That, random that before the match, uh, is basically slapped, and then Stevie puts the boots in. Really, I find this really uncomfortable to watch. I don't know why. I've like this has felt really unnecessary, and I get like you know, you know, intergender matches. It's a thing, so it's not really. You know, it's not real life, but it just kept going on. And then I just felt Damien must have sat there thinking, what the fuck is going on and what am I doing here? Yeah, like, I know I need to pay my bills, but like not this much. Yeah, and then the sort of, um, the match was a nothing real match with Raven um, picking up the win. Yeah, I mean, there's one bit where Raven decides to um, work the balls. Um so, and this becomes like a theme throughout the the match of, you know, low sh- low sh- low blow, you know, kick to the balls, <clears throat> headbutt to the balls, and you're kind of sitting there going, I don't know if this is a, a plan or whether it's just they've kind of fallen into this weird bit where they're just, I don't know. It was it just felt like a very weird. I mean, th- there was no explanation as to why. Uh, Stevie came out in a hockey mask. No. Um, the, I mean, the only thing of note in this bit was the beginning where... Um, uh, so a fan runs out. So oh, Lumini yeah. has an admirer. So she runs out and snogs his face off and then covers um, uh, him in whipped cream and then starts eating it off. And Raven pulls her up and it looks like Raven's going to hit her. And then um, Raven gets into Kimona's face because Kimona stood in front of Raven and stopped him hitting Beulah in one of the TVs we watched last week. Um, so there's this whole kind of, are you going to protect her as well? Blah, blah, blah. Um, Raven goes to hit her. Stevie stops him. And then Stevie kicks Kimona and they put the boots to Kimona. So she's obviously on the outs. Um, and that's the only thing that moves any of this on, really. But, the rest of it's a weird stump match. But but my thing is, like, I know Griff this week, uh, the other week, sort of expressed his opinion on Raven maybe not being the best champion. But this show, again, really highlights what the money feud is for Raven and what the yep. obvious fucking feud is for Raven. And it seems to be the one feud we're not getting with Raven. Because totally. you've got Dreamer clearly going off with Brian Lee into a programme... Yet he, they're like, oh, on the back burner, they hate each other, they hate each other. And you think, that's the money feud. That's the world title feud right there. doesn't matter if Raven beats him every time. That's your match. But, yeah, and, and you're yeah. right. Um, and, you know, it's, you end up with these, these placeholder matches that, that no one really cares about. Um, but every, although we're... The thing is, as you haven't got pay-per-view, there's no time for placeholder matches because there's not a show... That this match would be on. There's not yeah, a summer slam. But you say that, but this is this is what ECW did. I mean, we're still 
seven months away, maybe longer from from Sabu and Taz finally touching. Yeah, but that's or, or even being in the same ring. But that's um, not an obvious feud at the moment. That they, they chant Sabu's name every time Taz is around, and he's yeah. But that's that's the that's the right. fans. That's the fans doing it. It's not he's not coming out and attacking Sabu every time he's in the ring, but never actually having a match with him. I'm going to beat up. I'm going to beat up Tommy Dreamer. I'm going to slag off Tommy Dreamer constantly. But my world title match next week is against Damian Six 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 or Shane Douglas. Yeah, no, and and, and it is. It's a very bizarre setup. But they they seem to want to slow build these things, or, or did want to slow build these things, for reasons I'm not overly sure yeah, on. It, and, it can't be a slow build because must... they fought the second week of meeting. They fought like every week for about seven weeks yeah. in a row. It's, it's so, so they're, they're trying to kind of heat them up and slow them down and heat them up and slow them down, but they can't break them away because you know you you you've got my focus is the title my focus is my opponent however i'm still focusing on the fact that tommy dreamer's got my ex-girlfriend pregnant and i hate him for something that happened in our childhood and he hates me so we're still going to fight and i'm going to continue to put people in front of him who he's going to have to fight through to get to me even though there's no kind of path to get to me so it's not even as if there's like a you know, if you want to get to me, then you have to go through the Bruce Brothers and Brian Lee and the Meanie. And the, there isn't even that clear delineation. It's just kind of, here's the next person who's slightly affiliated with Raven and therefore lets me spin you off to speak to fight them while I fight people who no one's really interested in. Well, that's the thing. But on the other side, Raven's fighting everyone that's affiliated with him. Yeah. He's feuding with Shane Douglas and randomly fighting the Sandman. It's just like, I, yeah. you, you get into the building to it, but it, it just, it's so, so I mean, too much physical contact for them to build to it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's really weird because I'm really interested to see what happens next because obviously Raven's feud shortly is one of his most iconic and most historic fights and stories. Um, and I don't know how that hangs with the Tommy Dreamer bit hmm. because I, I can't see them stopping the Tommy Dreamer bit but does he continue to this whole kind of you know I hate whoever's in front of me but I really hate Tommy Dreamer yeah or does it build from that That's... but I mean the other problem with this is that throughout us watching Eastern to Extreme um, from episode one all the way to 401 and all the all the specials and pay-per-views in between um, uh, all the rest of the episodes in the archives. Um, you've seen that the the heavyweight title is really weirdly badly booked. Mm, in fact, people are booked better when they aren't the champion. 100%. Because if you're the champion, you're doing stunt matches with import talent in the middle of the card for no real reason. If you're on TV at all. Well, yeah, the tag team division seems to be what they really... I suppose it's easy for taking divisions just to have out-and-out wars, which I think they're going to, rather than technical, like, one-on-one wrestling. I mean, like, I think just like the numbers game. Is Scorpio still the TV champ? Yes, he is. Yeah. Like, fucking hell. I mean, listen to the name of the belt. TV yeah. champ. And you don't see it really defended. No. And, and the funny thing is, if we were just watching the TV, I could argue that maybe he's doing the shows we're not seeing. 
But the problem is I know that they're running TV. They're running a show every three to five weeks. I know we're watching a lot of those at the moment because they're on the network of specials. And then the TV is showing that entire card cut up. So unless this is a dark match that the TV cameras weren't on, and bearing in mind they're showing us fan cam footage of matches, the likelihood of them having a match that they've not taped and used is infinitesimally small. They're just not on the card. Mm-hmm. And it could be unavailability or it could be injury or it could be whatever. But actually, it just means that for months, they're not on the card. And when you do have your TV champion on the card here, he's in a very throwaway six-man, three-way dance match. Massively. Uh, but yeah, Raven picked up the win. Yes, oh, he did. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Shane Douglas makes his way to the ring and opens. <clears throat> Basically, oh, he cuts the promo. Um, slags off Shawn Michaels. Slags WrestleMania. off WrestleMania. Saying that fan was at WrestleMania, but he's finally getting the show he wanted. Debatable. So, slags off WrestleMania. Slags off Shawn Michaels. Slags off Fraser Moan. Slags off Hulk Hogan. Slags off Ric Flair. Issues an open challenge. Uh, Meanie comes out. He then basically slags off Meany and says, I came away from that place uh, to take away, like not fight wrestlers like you or something. I want a real competition. Axel Rotten came out, uh, basically takes out the Meany, then cuts a quick promo about wanting the best and proving himself. They attack Shane. Slap Shane around the face a few times. I thought that was quite good. I thought it built a little something, basically saying, I want to fight you, like, slap, you know, blah, 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 slap, and kind of really sort of provoked. Do I have your attention now? Yeah, and I liked it. I thought it was um, simple, but it kind of, it done more for Axel than anything else had in the last couple of years we'd seen him. Yep. So it proved to say good, so I enjoyed that. The match itself, Axel got, like, some all right offense in and looks pretty good, but Shane still sort of picked up the victory. I, I thought the match was better than it had any right to be. Yeah. I think it's the best actual match we've seen. I think it was a good Shane Douglas match. I think the match was a million times better than the promo that Shane Douglas cut. Yeah. Um, Unless I, the promo was like everyone but people on ECW. Yeah. Which is his gimmick but it's it's just the fact that gimmick but this guy is probably gonna be facing raven for the world title next week and this is the thing all of his competition is is people outside and it's again this whole kind of you know will shoot and these crowd know what a fucking shoot is see this this (sighs) that that because of the timing of the show that annoyed me because obviously the match that comes next it then felt like a double yeah, it's like I'm going to shoot, and these if anyone any of these people come here, I will shoot on them, and these people know what a shoot is. You know, cue the next match is a shoot. So anyway, Shane Douglas picks up the victory in the end. Um, grabs the mic, so he went to WF looking for competition like this, and respects him, and throws up the triple threat signal that he's been doing since he comes back. He's come back for very little reason. <sighs> True, and that's coming. Um, our next is a shoot fight rules match 
between Taz and Chris Jericho. Jericho's obviously in the ring. Taz walk out with his entourage, including Chris Chetty. And what I'm guessing must be Chris Chetty's dad. Look like Chris Chetty's dad there. I know you don't probably know who Chris Chetty is, Griff, but we'll, we'll, yeah, get, we'll get there in the end. But um, Chris, yeah, I don't know if it was his dad, but it was it was an interesting. So I mean, uh, so again, you know, it, it, I think Definitely the wording relation. is yeah, um, I, and I think the wording is uh, well, yeah, because that would be. So I'm saying that Taz's brother, Taz's brother or brother-in-law or something. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, um, the wording, you know, it's it's one of those issues because ECW was a little bit ahead of its time. So actually what you're looking at is MMA rules. Yeah. But because MMA isn't established enough and ultimate fighter isn't established enough that you can call it ultimate fighter rules or MMA rules, it becomes shoot fight rules, which obviously is not the same as shooting, but is all the inside terminology being kind of, you know, the smart mark kind of stuff. Um, This is the first time we've seen Team Taz. Uh, so the again MMM, MMA uh, boxing style dojo team coming out with him in, in matching outfits and you know they're on ringside and I really loved that I thought that was absolutely fantastic um, the wanting a referee that wasn't the referee and you know, the the four Dan whatever and the three Dan whatever and yeah um, you know I, I thought that was that was Interesting because it gave a different view to, to you know, the, the, the rules and the, how it worked. Um, and I don't know why Jericho has earned a the point match. where he needs this match. 100%. I, I, you know, if this was still Dean Malenko, given the history they'd had, I'd get that. But I don't. I don't get why Jericho suddenly needs a shoot match, um, and uh, I don't understand why Todd Gordon needs to be anywhere near it. And I don't know, understand why he needs to be changed to um, Fonzie. And I don't know why you go through any of that, bearing in mind the outcome of the match. But that, again, yeah, but I, what, I, I, I get. I get the handcuffing bit. I understand, like, so he doesn't get involved. But I just feel they didn't. Yeah, just it seemed a bit of a mess of a mess of a match, really. So who doesn't get involved? Fonzie doesn't get involved. No, he's handcuffed, so Fonzie can't get involved. Yeah, so so the handcuffs are so Fonzie doesn't get involved. Yeah. So why why handcuff him to Todd Gordon, who he keeps laying out? Why not handcuff him to Bam Bam Bigelow or to <coughs> the fucking Gordon ring can't post? Help himself or get involved because he wants to be involved, yeah, even though he's kicked the crap out of Todd Gordon, so he shouldn't be any threat at all. Yeah. Fuck, you know, sneezing for air in a nightmare. <laughs> um, Go on, work through it. Yeah. So basically, um, yeah, it's a shoot fight. Um, where are we at? Get tied together, handcuffed together. Then unlocked. Then unlocked. The match itself, not too bad. A couple of suplexes, always a pleasure. One where he sort of did a sort of landed on his feet and sort of kicked off. That was a pretty good little spot. So the match went on. Um, the guy I called Jetty's dad basically freed uh, Bill Alfonso, who got in the ring, hit Jericho with a chair shot, who was in control. Taz locked on the 
Taz Mission, an old judo guy, rung the bell straight away, and there was paid money where he was clearly bribed. And my thing is, if he was bribed, why did he not just kick Jericho in the head? Yeah. Why go through the, 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 the rubbish of having him padlocked to or handcuffed to Todd Gordon, only for Todd Gordon to then get, if actually he didn't need any of that at all? It, wouldn't it be more of a visual... If Jericho's got it one, you cut to Todd Gordon, he's shouting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then the guy kicks Jericho and Gordon suddenly tied to Fonzie, realising that he's been double-crossed and he's trying to get to it and Fonzie's then sort of laughing. And then Team Taz take out Gordon or something. Yeah, why he's still attached to Fonzie. But yeah, and if you want to do it with, with Taz looking strong, the match starts with the referee kicking him in the face and then Taz hits him in the, the Taz mission straight away. Exactly. So, I mean, again, cool idea. Just, yeah, so they sort of embrace, they give him money. Um, yeah. Taz, Taz wins. Cool. Path of Rage continues. Next, we have Brian Lee and the Bruise Brothers versus Tommy Dreamer and the Pitbulls. Um, not an awful match, but exactly the kind of match you'd expect from this lot, just brawling all around the arena. The fans love it. They're fighting right at their feet, right next to them. The row behind, the row in front, the row to the side, everywhere. They're doing it. In the end, um, Brian and Pitbulls pick up the win where they put multiple chairs around Dreamer, hit him with big boots, get the pin, Dreamer then sort of like fights back Jericho, not Jericho, Raven comes out and somehow loses complete control and gets put for a table. Yeah. Um, so at one point they've, they fight all the way out through the building and out into Queens Boulevard, um, chasing cars down the road. Um, and all I could think when I saw that is, is shows that we've been to where they do something similar, not to that level. And you're sat in a crowd who are all chanting, we can't see shit, um, because you've paid your money to watch something and they've fucked off around the building somewhere. Um, and you hang out waiting for the next the high building, spot. They? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who's checking tickets on re-entry for all of those people who followed them back in. And this um, is, again, this is a company that doesn't have Titantrons and things like that. No, no video screens at all. You know, yeah, you, you their PA system is not even great. in WWE that is frustrating, but if you're in the arena, at least... You can watch. Yeah. Yeah, no, if it's if it's not in the ring, they're not seeing it. Even the crowd stuff is is questionable depending on where it is, whether you'd be able to see it. So yeah, they, they kind of just run around beating each other on everything. Um and then uh, they they tease hitting Beulah. Yeah. Um Francine gets in the way. Francine does her usual spot of just getting laid out like an absolute fucking champ. Um, I don't know who she's trying to prove what to, but Jesus Christ, she just bumps every fucking week for something horrific looking. Um, and then, as you said, Raven comes through, comes out, they beat on Raven. And the way they put Raven through the table is doing the Pitbull Superbomb using Tommy to smash him through Raven. Yeah. Because that apparently makes you an innovator of violence. Yeah, but again, no, it's you know continuing a feud that's not there. But um, yeah, the match. Yeah, the match I mean, it's his. For me. I, I, it was. I mean, the the, the Bruce brothers don't do 
much for me as a whole for various reasons. Um, it was it was just another one, and you know we've got another one coming up. It's it, it worked for the Public Enemy, and therefore must work for every tag team. There is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, next up, we have Sabu defeating Mikey Ripwreck. I'd go on as far as say this is the sleeper match of the show. It, I really it, got into this match. This was the best match of the show because I actually felt like I was actually <laughs> watching a wrestling match. Yeah, I, I felt like you had the story of the first two Triple Crown winners facing off. Yep. So, a little something there. Um, Sabu, basically, you're taken for granted because of the way everything's gone and you've seen so much, but the guy is so fantastic. He's so fluent and crazy in everything he does. It's absolutely amazing. But I also liked the way he's just sort of effortless flying about, but then Mikey started doing Sabu's own spots against Sabu, which I thought was a great sort of story. And uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. Yeah, me too. It was really, really good. It was, it highlighted how poor some of the rest of the card was, really. Yeah. I mean, it was better than than I I thought it would be. I'm still not really enjoying um, Sabu matches since he came back. It's kind of, you know, it's, it, it, my enjoyment of his matches seems to be kind of like falling like the stars kind of uh, as they go on. Um, I, I but it feel was one of the like, better ones. Sorry, I was just going to say I I feel like there's a whole lack of trust with Sabu at this point. They they understand he's an attraction, he's a star, he's got a massive fan base, but it also feels like they don't want to put him in a spot where if yeah. he left tomorrow, it would affect him. Anyone would notice exactly when before he was very much like main event. Hells, all the titles at one go kind of guy. You know, dream tag match this, dream singles match that, first time ever this. Now he's just like halfway through the card, you get a crazy Sabu match. You've seen him. Yeah. It feels like they're just kind of protecting themselves a bit. But um, yeah, then the main event, is it a freeway elimination match? It is. Now, all the well. I don't so know at if the I beginning, a drink, but I missed the headhunters completely here. So it's meant to be gangsters versus Sandman and Scorpio um, versus Headhunters. Scorpio. Well, no, it was meant to be. Was it meant to be all three? Yeah, I thought it was. I can't remember if it was meant, it was to, be meant to be all three. three. But obviously, the gangsters are. Um, what do you call it? Supposed to be like arrested. Arrested. So I don't. So what happens? In they come in later. What happens? What? I didn't, did the headhunters get eliminated straight away? No, they're around, but they they, they get beaten up and sent on their way. Kind of when the gangsters come in, they take them out, and then they kind of have the match between the two of them more than anything. Mm. Um, but at the beginning, they were they were pretty dominant, doing some really awful looking moves. So Damien Kane and and Lady Alexandra, who was his wife in real life, um, mm. I I found out. Um, ran out as well and were helping their team. Uh, Lady Alexandra has a uh, a cat fight with Missy Hyatt, um, who uh, was wearing a bra, so we all needed to be uh, aware of that. Um, 
uh, and uh, I mean, one of the headhunters tries to do a moonsault through to put, uh, I think it was Sandman through a table, hmm. um, and overshoots it drastically. So basically, headbutts Sandman as he comes down, um, and and Joey kind of makes a joke about you know not breaking the table, and it looks easy when Sabu does it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of nothing from them, and then the gangsters ran out and did their bit, and that was it. It's, it's kind of weird because in the world of like shoots, New Jack really wasn't like in the cane shots, and you could believe this match was actually going to turn into a shoot. Yeah, when they were fighting around the crowd, I kind of thought if they were like legit beating the shit out of each other, I would have believed it in this. Yeah, I mean, it didn't feel like a, a, a real fight was was far away at any given point really did it yeah so i thought it was pretty good but um that being said gangsters picked up the victory and new jack doesn't like cane shots so it takes us to the end of the show i didn't mind it there's a few decent bits obviously there's a few naff bits and few confusing bits but there's quite a few diff uh nice little matches it was fine. Um, it it felt like a massacre, and I don't think I mean that as a compliment. Um, it was very filler esque. Um, I just um, I, I feel with a lot of these at the moment. Obviously, the first special we did, I got so excited because it was a special, but now I'm slowly stepping away from it's a special to. It's a complete TV tapings they released on video. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, so yeah, n- nothing feels special. I want a pay per view. I need playoff matches. Everything just feels like a transitional match to a bigger yeah, match. There's, I don't there's, seem to ever there's be not getting. a culmination of anything. Um, yeah, I mean, any special wouldn't have your heavyweight champion in the middle of the card against the debuting wrestler. It's not special. It's, it's just... No. It's very funny that, that Shane Douglas referenced WrestleMania because WrestleMania has always been the point that ends the chapter and then the next, you know, you, you're into kind of almost like this, the new year, the night after. Um, and they don't have that kind of cycle at all. Um, yeah, I mean, what WrestleMania would this have been? Eleven. This is the Shawn Michaels against. Um, this is the uh, eleven, wouldn't it? Because the oh, Shawn Michaels' first World Championship, the Iron Man match. Oh, is it? Yeah. No. Most certainly oh. is. Oh wow! I thought that was. So it was twelve. It was after. Yeah, so it was Shawn Michaels. Was it Shawn Michaels' sixty-minute Iron Man match? With Brett. Was that 96? Yeah. 96? All right, so Shane's basically saying, comparing that to Shane Douglas versus Axel Rotten. Yeah, because everyone was disappointed right. after watching. I I mean, I, I remember people being a little bit disappointed that after the restart, it finished so quickly. Yeah, but the restart lasts about as long as that match. But yeah. All right, that's cool. Um, Griff, what's your extreme hit and miss of the show? Uh, the extreme hit is um, Whitbrick Sabu, um, and I suppose 
got to say, Devon's debut, really. Um, yeah. Extremist, unfortunately, the rest of the show, really. I, I, I wanted to like it. I wanted to like it. But I think you summarised it earlier. Just get a bit bored. When, when you do carnages every match near enough, it's like they're trying too hard to like be shocking. And yeah. they, they, they can't but, just have... That's, that's the thing. I mean, my way of thinking is if, if you're doing this in the crowd, and but this is filmed for Carnage Week 1, Carnage Week 2, Carnage Week 3 on a TV taping, it's paced out well and it's not bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But when it's all in just one night, it's, it's like the same as, you know, like now. You see a Canadian destroyer in the opening match. By the end of the night, you've seen 300 Canadian destroyers. It's not as impressive anymore. No. no. So the first one you saw of the night, you're like, oh, my God, a Canadian destroyer, that is fucking mental. But by the end of the night, you've got Rock and Roll Express and everyone else doing them. You're a bit like, okay. And I think you add up there's like there's... how long the matches are. I think it's probably, you've probably got a half hour's worth of wrestling. Like Sandman seemed to take 15 minutes to get to the ring. I, do, I would yeah. say, though, I do like the fact that this seemed like the first ever show where they actually follow every wrestler like from the entrance way. Um, yeah, agreed. That was a Again, welcomed addition. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's positives, and you can see evolution of the product. Where, like you said, you, you were getting entrances and not more now, and obviously you can't. The entrances, you know, going to suck because of the network. I mean, Sandman walking out to Sandman every week would still be pretty epic in its own right. Mm. But so it's hard in that sense. But yeah. It's weird. Very weird. Um, I suppose you should do plugs and disappear and let you guys do what you do. Would you like an interesting fact? Have you got one? I do. I mean, interesting is probably an oversell, but having watched that show, I feel safe in overselling. Um, You tried to find an interesting fact on... Billy Bill Bill and couldn't find any. That was the interesting fact. The interesting fact is that so the only interesting fact I could find on Billy Black was that his last match was in 2015. Um, That's interesting. Uh, I I thought I'd go somewhere different for this one. So um, WCW, NWF, oh, the National Wrestling Federation, one of Griff's favourites. Uh, well, you know, it's 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 one where we've all been a bit uh, of a fan of. Um, but the National Wrestling Federation, as you will know, was booked by uh, Damien Kane. Um, he did uh, performance booking, television production, and, and wrestled for the promotion. Um, and it was there in NWF as Booker that he put a young photographer uh, and commentator into a role as manager. Oh. And that is where Paulie Dangerously got his start. Oh, that's interesting, fact. So Damien Kane is responsible for Paulie Dangerously. Which is responsible for everything, which backs up Griff's theory that ECW created everything. Including the destruction of the streak. Including himself. Hmm. Interesting. So Kane bought in Heyman to in the future destroy his brother's streak is what you're saying no yeah oh oh why not because what you said. We, we know that 
Damien Kane is responsible for Damien Demento, who headlines the first Raw against Ooh. The Undertaker. Oh, the same show that Yokozuna took on Coco Beware? Possibly. <laughs> I think so. They had a match once. Do your plugs, um, Oh, if you like us or just like talking wrestling and ECW in general, make sure you find us on social media at underscore sports arena. That is us on Twitter and Instagram. We post stuff. You can comment, but comment back. We will become friends and it will be funny. Uh, we're also on zazzle.co.uk or.com. Simply click on the old search bar, put sports arena, and you'll see a whole load of t-shirts like we're effing get their shirts because we're trying to fucking get there and everything else. You can buy one, support the show, look cool while doing so. It's a win-win for everyone involved. I and Paul are disappear at this point because they do this little thing and it's cool. People like it, but I need to be gone for it for some reason. That's what I do. Toodle snips. It is what it does. And um, obviously, wherever you are listening to this podcast from, uh, be it Stitcher, be it Google Podcasts, be it um, Apple be it anchor wherever you are uh like rate and review it um so that we can uh, get this out to more people um so this is the part of the show where i take my inspiration from something something i've seen something i've heard something random that has got caught my attention and my eye and my fancy and i get griff to perform for us for the beauty of us a dramatic reading of such a thing and um we've we've covered a lot tonight and there's a lot going on but i was um transfixed by the uh the the fight between the bruise brothers and primetime brian lee and uh, against the pitbulls and tommy dreamer spilling out into uh queen's boulevard and um having a fight there uh, to make it really the massacre. And anyone who was walking along those streets and saw that violence must have thought that they were walking along the boulevard of broken dreams. So here with that very song is Griff. I walk a lonely road, the only one that I've ever known. Don't know where it goes, but it's only me and I walk alone. I walk this empty street on the boulevard of broken dreams where the city sleeps and I'm the only one and I walk alone. I walk alone. I walk alone. I walk alone and I walk her. My shadow's the only one that walks beside me. My shadow heart's the only thing that's beating. Sometimes I wish someone out there will find me. Till then... I walk alone. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. That's better. I'm walking down the line that divides me somewhere in my mind on the borderline of the edge and where I walk alone. In this pit of danger. I thought that. Too soon. <laughs> oh, bye, everyone. Bye.